This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Lisa Lin from Wall Street Journal on the three technology giants of China, Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, aka the BAT, and their influence from China to Silicon Valley. We discuss their ongoing fights in the lifestyle, deals, and online to offline spaces, and their upcoming battlegrounds from AI to self-driving cars. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Bennett. How are you doing? Good, good. Yourself? I'm good. You're based in Shanghai, right? That's right. Yes, I'm talking to Lisa Lin technology reporter at Wall Street Journal. So Lisa, will it be interesting to actually get to know you better? How did you start your career? Sure. So I started my career 10 years ago back in Singapore, where you are, with Bloomberg Television. So after doing four years with Bloomberg TV, and everyone was talking about the potential of China, so I asked for a move over to China. And I started my career on the mainland in Shanghai in 2010, in July, covering the car industry. Subsequently, I moved on to covering fast-moving consumer goods, which included stuff like you know anything from luxury bags to eating fried chicken in KFC or to buying like a Nestle coffee product. After that, I went off to do a degree at Yale and then came back, this time with the journal, uh, covering technology. So what's your current coverage in China with Wall Street Journal then? Yeah, so I cover anything that's in the software internet kind of tech space. I've been doing a lot of stories about Baidu, Alibaba and Tencent, and we'll get to that later, about how they're competing with each other in China in the different areas that they currently dominate. Also focusing a lot on Alibaba. And I actually also like the startup space in China. There's a lot happening in there, you know, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of capital. Hope to do more of that in future. The interesting thing is you have actually covered cars and then fast-moving consumer goods and then to tech. Do you find it pretty interesting because now tech is probably enroaching in almost every industry in China? Yeah, it's crazy because, I mean, you have these three big tech companies who have their fingers not just in the internet industry, but also in the traditional industries. So, you know, Alibaba, when I was covering consumer goods, they were the up-and-coming e-commerce platform where everyone was just buying stuff online as opposed to going to malls. And now you've really seen the cycle come full circle. In the U.S. and other places where you see fresh food delivery hasn't really taken off, people in the U.S. still enjoy going to places like Walmart every week just to buy vegetables, fruits, what have you. But you know, in China, they've gotten to the point where I'm buying my groceries on online. And I have an app that kind of tells me, okay, these, this is the stock we have today. And I buy vegetables, I buy meat, I buy seafood, and it's at my door in two hours. So your life is also very dominated by WeChat from what I understand recently as well. <laughs> it's dominated by anything mobile as everything in China. You know, you pay with your cell phone, you get a DD, even business emails have been moved to WeChat. So yeah, it's very mobile driven. So today we want to talk about Baidu, Alibaba and Tencent. And of course, full disclosure, I work as a senior executive for a company that is invested by Alibaba. So I'm going to be just asking questions today. So on these three big giants. So Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, everybody knows it's called the BAT in China. I've done 
separate episodes on each one of them, except for Alibaba. Actually, I haven't found someone to talk about that yet. But can you briefly introduce these three companies to an audience who have no prior knowledge about the technology space in China? Sure, sure. So I'll give you a brief rundown on the on Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, just in the sequence they are, and also the competitive advantages they have in China. So if you think about Baidu, Baidu is known as the Google of China. It's the dominant search engine. Anyone here who wants to go online, because Google's blocked. Usually, I just go on my web app for Baidu search. If you keep that in mind, that Google is blocked, Baidu really is has become the dominant search engine in China. And the number of users they have is just like mind-boggling. They had 665 million users on their mobile app as of December last year, and that's twice the twice the population of the U.S. So that's like Baidu for you. And Baidu has other units that dabble in online video. They've got lifestyle services. They've got mapping. Mapping's pretty big here, and they've got cloud as well. Turning your attention to Tencent. So Tencent is known as a social media and gaming giant. I'm sure in the past you've had people talking about the strength of WeChat in China. It's really gone from just being like a messaging platform to an entire ecosystem. Like right now, you can get shared bicycles, like mobikes, on WeChat. You can do payments on WeChat. You can buy train tickets on WeChat. Really, there's nothing you can't do on WeChat. I think. And apart from WeChat, Tencent also has. Very strong gaming business as well, and other peripheral businesses in video and cloud and mobile payments. So you're kind of seeing a repetition in the areas that they're competing in. And then for Alibaba, it's known as the biggest e-commerce platform here. So if you think about Amazon, Alibaba is very similar. Alibaba runs a platform called Taobao, which is a C2C platform that pretty much you can buy anything from. I've heard you could buy like live chickens on Taobao. I haven't actually verified that, but you can buy anything from like clothing to like accessories to imported food. Everything's on Taobao. And also, Alibaba Group also have AliPay and also the equivalent, the Ali Cloud Services, right? That's right. Yeah. So I did mention financial services, cloud computing. They have online movies as well, picture production. So you're really actually starting to see how these three companies overlap with each other. Given that they are very influential in the Chinese internet market, so how are these three companies being perceived in China? As in, like for example, how the startup ecosystem perceive them, or even how other traditional businesses perceive them? Then. Hmm. That's interesting. I would almost say that the way other businesses perceive Alibaba, Baidu, and Tencent would be like a kind of a secret to success, because if you think about it, having a tie-up with any one of the three gives you access to tons of users. Tencent alone on WeChat, they have more than 800 million users as of the last count. So just Having a tie-up with Tencent, for example, could give you access to all these users and the wealth of big data that comes from it. I remember, I think, Mobike got on Tencent, kind of one of the mini apps that you could use 
on Tencent. And in a couple of days, I think their user base just jumped tremendously. So it's a sort of synergy that the tech companies can bring you. It could make or break your business because if you were a startup as well and you didn't have backing from Alibaba, Baidu and Tencent, then you would be really scared because at any time, these three companies could get wind of your idea and probably execute the idea much faster and much better than you would. And you actually have the ability to do it at scale as well. So the interesting part of it is that how they have been fighting on many fronts against each other. So I'm going to start off with asking you on a specific category, for example, on the lifestyle spaces, Tencent backed a company called Meituan Dianping, Baidu backed a company called Nomi, and Alibaba backed a company called Kobe, where their services actually mean mainly in the deals and services space. Can you describe why they're currently fighting over this space through these proxies? Yeah, sure. So maybe before I describe why they're fighting over this space, I should probably explain what these platforms do, especially for an audience that doesn't reside in China, because it's kind of difficult to imagine. So if you think about Yelp, Groupon and Grubhub in the US, these platforms are absolutely similar. They typically come in a form of an app on your phone and you use it to search for lifestyle services, anything from the latest hot pot restaurant to like a place for yoga class or even piano lessons for your children. All these things can be found on this app. And when you're on the app, it gives you user reviews. So you know what sort of experiences people have there. The app also has menu rundowns if you were looking at restaurants. And recently, they've also allowed you to book appointments. I could use Meituan, for example, look for a hairdressing salon that's nearby my house, and then just book an appointment straight through the app. It's just that simple. And if you think about the Grubhub portion of the app, it's food delivery. So these apps also have not just the restaurants up on there, they also deliver food. So you can just buy dinner using that same app. So it's gone actually really beyond what Yelp can do in the US. Why are they fighting over this space? Is it because they have the ability to get consumer data and the ability to actually predict or even leverage on top of their services? For example, I would look at Tencent and Alibaba with the Tenpay that owns both WeChat and QQ. And of course, with Alibaba, everybody knows of Alipay. Is that the situation? Exactly, you're right. So there are actually two main reasons why these platforms are so important to Alibaba, Baidu, and Tencent, and they're interlinked. So the first reason is big data. On these apps, you get information on how consumers act, you know, purchasing decisions. So what do I eat on a daily basis? What hair salon do I frequent and how much do I pay? Or what do I like to do on my weekends? This big data has become so important because Alibaba, Baidu and Tencent are all fighting for market share in the online advertising space. And in order to sell online advertising, you want to have access to such data in order to tell your advertisers that, you know, advertise with me, you're going to have a much higher conversion rate because I can tell you how this person behaves and you can target advertising to him. So for example, let's say I eat pizza every day and a new pizza chain comes into Shanghai and wants to advertise and wants to grow its business, it would have a much better conversion rate pushing an ad to me through an app as opposed to pushing an ad to someone who eats salad, for example. And these apps know exactly how you consume things and know exactly what you want. So if you think about that from 
a big data and an online advertising front, it really does help with like the bottom line. And you talked about synergies, right? So Meituan Dianping now has Tencent as a shareholder. Meituan Dianping is a big reason why I think the WeChat wallets also have gained market share against Alipay. Because every time I use Meituan Dianping, they prompt me for payment on WeChat and they don't prompt me for payment on Alipay. Of course, then you have Nomi and Kobe. Are they also very similar in the deals and services space? Mm-hmm. So Kobe would be what Meituan is for Alipay. Kopay isn't a standalone app. So if you think about the Alipay app, it's an actual app, unlike WeChat Payments. So you click on the app and you have the Kobe icon there in which you could scroll for local merchants, find things, and then you can just directly pay with Alipay on the app. The other part that I thought was pretty interesting is the online to offline space, or in China, they call it the O2O space. From just an observer, I observed that Tencent and Alibaba had originally backed Didi and Kwaidi in the ride-sharing space, and eventually they merged into Didi, and of course, Baidu backed Uber. And it seems that in the end, Baidu lost out in that auto space with Uber selling Uber China to Didi. Of course, depending on who you talk to, some people think that Baidu made a profit because of the sale of Uber China to Didi. And to some people say that this has eventually made them lost their competitive advantage to Tencent and Alibaba, who actually have also done other deals like Awful Mobile in the bike sharing or actually the right way to call them is bike rental space. What are your thoughts on that? Is it really that Baidu is losing in the O2O space as compared to Tencent and Alibaba or is it just because Tencent and Alibaba have the competitive advantage with payments and social over Baidu? Yeah, so I mean, the O2O space really was like flavor of the month two or three years ago. I must say Baidu going into the space, they don't have a natural advantage the way Tencent and Alibaba do. Like Baidu is a search engine. You don't really have memberships or there isn't a customer profile or a customer that you could push advertising to or just push the use of the app. Whereas with Tencent, it's just so much easier because Tencent and Alibaba are very customer facing in what they've always been doing. Baidu has always been seen as more AI driven, more search engine driven. I mean, it wasn't a natural fit, I guess, for Baidu to go into the lifestyle services space. But at the end of the day, Nuomi, which is owned by Baidu, still has 24% market share in the space. So I can't really say that they were a complete failure, but it just wasn't a natural fit. And really, Bernard, if you look at the areas that Baidu, Alibaba and Tencent are actually competing in within China itself, I would say, you know, this is just one battle lost, but it's a very long war. So kind of premature to conclude, you know, who's the victor in the state. Which comes to the other point, right? There's been a lot of reports recently about Baidu has turned from the Google of China to the Yahoo of China among the BAT. I mean, according to various sources such as the information. And also the other interesting point was also that Baidu seems to be losing out in major investments and MA, particularly in the O2O space. And also loss of pretty key executives such as Andrew Ng and their head of AI went to Tencent. The question now for me is, instead of trying to point that whether Baidu has actually lost what are your perspectives in terms of where they are going or are they still within this BAT axis or are they still going to be relevant in the BAT axis itself? 
Yeah, so Baidu's recent fortunes really haven't been pretty. Last year, because of the regulatory crackdown on online advertising, they lost quite a fair bit of revenue. And if you look at the recent executive turnover as well, losing Andrew Ng, which was their top AI guy, that was a a big loss because his hiring was seen as quite a coup when they poached him over from Google and Coursera. And recently, I think... When Baidu announced its results, they also said the CFO was stepping down. She was stepping down to run Baidu Capital, which is the venture capital arm of Baidu. I think there has been a lot of people movements in Baidu, and that has had analysts and investors concerned. But personally, I feel you know there are ups and downs for every company. In the past, Baidu's strategy had always been chasing kind of the flavor of the month. They went into O2O, then they went to fintech. And these, as I mentioned earlier, weren't natural fits. But last year, they refocused and they said they would be focusing on artificial intelligence going forward. And this is an area where I feel Baidu definitely has an edge over Tencent and Alibaba. But even with the head of AI going to Tencent, would you still see that there may be a brain drain going from Baidu to the other two giants then? I guess I forgot to mention, so Baidu hired a new COO, Lu Qi, from Microsoft at the start of the year, end of last year. And Lu Qi has had a pretty good track record in whichever company he was at. So at Microsoft, he headed up a strategic unit for them. And now he's really refocused the company on AI. You can tell. Last month, during the auto show in Shanghai, Baidu mentioned they would open source the self-driving technology. And also, the same day that they released the results, they said they would start sales of what they call Little Fish, which is Baidu's kind of answer to the Amazon Echo. It's like a smart home device that's controlled by voice recognition. So I feel Baidu has these advantages in artificial intelligence, both in picture and voice recognition, and you're going to see AI really starting to shake up China's traditional and internet industries going forward as well. So AI would be seen, I guess, as the second wave of big data and what big data can do. They, they will be processing that big data that, that companies collect. So you think that AI is probably the area of focus for them so that they can outrun Alibaba and Tencent? Well, it's kind of hard to say because no one actually knows when you could monetize stuff like picture recognition or voice recognition or even self-driving cars. But definitely them focusing on it now and having the foresight to start focusing on this will give them an itch when it's really the wave of AI. I guess it's interesting to also ask the question, right? Where are their next battleground in China? Where do you think that they are actually competing? Which categories would be interesting to BAT? Gosh, you know, now every month that I cover technology in China, I see a new battleground (laughs) coming up. First, it's like online video, and then you see them fighting in cloud. And of course, there's mobile payments as well. And most recently, it's the shared bikes, right, with Tencent and Mobike and and Financial and Ofo. So (laughs) it's really actually quite hard to predict. And I would have to tell you that it's very exciting in Southeast Asia and India, but I think the real battle is only between Tencent and Alibaba uh, over investments and acquisitions of a lot of e-commerce and also payments and messaging space. But there is another area which I thought is interesting about the BAT, which is I know we talk a lot about them being in China. How about them being in Silicon Valley then? Hmm, that's also really interesting. I mean, you were in Silicon Valley for a while, weren't you? So you probably have some idea what's happening there too. I could really tell you how 
influential the China tech ecosystem is in Silicon Valley, mainly the corporate dev teams of BAT. They have also been the LPs of some of the investment funds. And while I was there, the BAT cop dev is always hosting parties and meeting out new startups. And of course, not to mention that even the most powerful business angel, Xu Xiaoping, is also LP to Ron Conway in Silicon Valley. And he's there in Silicon Valley making the investments. I've not seen Silicon Valley investors have ever gone to China or sit in Beijing or Shenzhen at all. So there seems to be a lot of activity when I was there. Can you talk about the activity that has actually been ongoing as well? Sure, sure. Yeah, so we're, we're actually seeing a lot of Chinese tech companies expanding in Silicon Valley. I think this year you saw Tencent opening up a U.S. lab. You saw Didi opening up a research and development lab in Silicon Valley as well. And then there's JD, of course, JD.com, China's second largest e-commerce platform. They also opened up a lab in Silicon Valley. I think the understanding is that these tech companies recognize that they need talent and they want access to the talent too. They've also come to the understanding that not everyone is willing to be working in Beijing or Shenzhen, for example. So if the talent isn't going to come to you, you go to the talent, right? So that's why I think we're seeing all these labs kind of opening up there. And they're also hiring good people too. Just thinking about Baidu, they said they would double the size of their Silicon Valley lab this year. And they started hiring pretty aggressively in campuses around the US, like Carnegie Mellon, Stanford, all these well-known AI campuses, pretty much. Yeah, and I think people underrated that Baidu has actually a pretty big research lab in Silicon Valley. I think it's probably one of the earliest for BAT to be in Silicon Valley, actually. I think you're going to see a lot more expansion. I mean, if you look at Didi, they just raised $5.5 billion in the funding round. With so much money, I'm sure what they'll be doing is trying to acquire talent. And they have our in Silicon Valley, too. Yeah, and I thought that the possibility is for them to acquire Lyft. But I guess with what Uber is experiencing now, maybe acquiring Lyft would be very expensive for Didi as a company. Yeah, and Didi now has an English app, so you never know. That's the first sign they've got strong overseas ambitions. I guess the question I've always been on my mind is, how do you see... BAT navigating beyond China? Because in China, they have not just the competitive advantages of their technology and their understanding of the ecosystem and making it very difficult for foreign players to actually enter. But when they go out into the rest of the world, it's pretty much an open game. What do you see BAT's focus going to be? Is it just going to be basically investing on acquiring or they have to figure out how to organically grow in these rest of the world? That's a tough one. I believe the BAT will see inorganic growth when they try and get out of China. I do think that if they're looking at organic growth and just growing their own business, they'll probably go for markets like Southeast Asia, for example, which have very similar consumption characteristics to China. But if you look at the developed markets like the US or Europe, then I'm pretty sure you'll see acquisitions because Alibaba has definitely tried and not succeeded to expand organically in the U.S. to acquiring like a small e-commerce website before. So I, I do think like going overseas, we'd see them acquiring some established companies just because it's so much easier 
from a market access point of view and an understanding of how to operate in those markets as well. Because just the, the operational environment in China is just so different from anything else I've seen overseas. So I do think that organically, we'll see them expand within China and in markets with very similar characteristics, but just going into other places, developed countries, and even in India, we'll see inorganic growth and more maybe depending on the company as well. With Tencent, you probably see more passive investments, whereas with Alibaba, you see more aggressive like takeovers, full control. So really actually depends on the, the country and the company. This will definitely be ongoing. And of course, Lisa, thank you for coming on the show to talk about BAT, not just in China, but their influence in the rest of the world. So help my audience. How do they find you? Sure. You can email me, Lisa, L-I-Z-A dot Lin at WSJ.com. That would be the easiest way. Do you have a Twitter or Weibo account? Sorry, WeChat as well. I have a Twitter account, but I'm so bad that I cannot remember my handle. Well, I have a WeChat account, Lisa83, and you can probably reach me through that. You can find me at bleongcw or at bernardlong.com. Of course, my WeChat is exactly the same handle as my Twitter. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and TuneIn. Of course, Google Play in the US. Of course, tweet to me. Give me your feedback. Rate me, give us a five-star ratings, please, on iTunes Store. And drop me feedback. I actually respond to all my anyone who give me feedback on the podcast. So once again, Lisa, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Bernard.